Chapter 23 of Pee-wee Harris, Fixer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pee-wee Harris, Fixer, by Percy Keese Fitzhugh. In the Woods. They shone, too, upon the scouts who tramped through the woods that night, and the boys who had not compasses used the stars to guide them in their beeline course northward. Most of these traveling units consisted of two scouts, so that observation might be kept both to right and left as they trotted northward. Some of the parties, however, consisted of three, even four scouts. It was nice, skillfully geometric, had they made a sort of checkerboard of the woods and covered the whole area. For almost a mile, which was the breadth of the wooded area, they moved in a score or more of straight lines, pausing here and there for incidental investigation but for the most part keeping a straight course. Neighboring units were always within call, and the woods echoed with cheery, hopeful voices. Now and again, a sudden shout far to east or west brought all searchers to a stop. There would be a moment of suspended elation. Then the parties would trot on again. Every hubble of the ground, every object apparently foreign to the woods, every stump and rock was noticed and investigated. There was probably not a yard of territory in those dark woods, that was not seen that night by the prying eyes of scouts. The object of their quest made the work serious, yet there was much badinage back and forth between neighboring parties. Roy and Connie, with their new recruit, Pee-wee, followed the woods path and their progress was easy. Now and then, as they went along, they could see a quick, brief light to east or west where other scouts were verifying their direction with compass and flashlight. Pee-wee used both compass and flashlight in spite of the path. He was nothing if not thorough. The familiar path might change its mind and alter its accustomed course. Pee-wee was for safety first. He jogged along with his compass in one hand and Roy's flashlight in the other, eating an apple, gift from Connie, which he managed to hold also, and talking volubly at the same time. In addition, his frowning gaze penetrated the woods now to one side, now to the other, and occasionally he confirmed the accuracy of his compass by a searching look heavenward, where one of his particular friends, the Big Dipper, resided. So it may be said that every movable part of Pee-wee was in action, particularly his jaws. Gee, I have to take the blame because he went back. That's one sure thing, he said. Gee whiz, I thought he'd follow me. You should have known him better than that, kid, laughed Connie. Can you picture him on a trip like this? Don't make me laugh, said Roy. Now maybe he won't join, said Pee-wee. I had him all worked up to the point where he was going to join. Don't you believe it, kid, laughed Connie again. You stand a better chance of being struck by lightning than getting that Mary into your patrol. What do you want him for, anyway? They'd only guy the life out of him up at camp. You don't know him like I do, Pee-wee protested. He's a nice feller, gee whiz. I didn't want to go with him, but I promised you, so I did. After half a dozen other fellows passed it up, said Connie, you were a little brick, kid to let him wish himself on you like that. Some good turn, panted Roy as they jogged along. He treated me, said Pee-wee. He treated me to a lot of things. Yup, I've seen that wallet, laughed Connie. He keeps calling cards in it. He keeps dollar bills in it, said Pee-wee. You love him for his money, said Roy. He loves him for his wheat cakes, said Connie. You make me tired, roared Pee-wee. That shows how much you know about... Oh, he's proper all right, said Connie. I mean propaganda, Pee-wee roared. 
That shows how much you know about being a propagandist and getting new fellers. Anyway, I like him, and I don't care what you say. He treated me fine in the city, and he's all right. For collecting lead pencils, said Connie. I heard he does embroidery work, said Roy. Is that any worse than birch bark work? Pee-wee thundered, not without a real touch of his boasted logic. What's the difference between making fancy things out of cloth or out of wood? Gee whiz, you make napkin rings, don't you? You love him for his riches, kid, laughed Roy. You make me sick, Pee-wee panted, as he buried his teeth in his apple. I'll tell you how it is, kid, said Connie more seriously. It isn't a case of what you want. You're all right, kiddo, as far as that goes. But he won't join because it isn't in him to join. If he joined, he'd drop out. Look at Tom Slade, Pee-wee shouted, speaking while he held the apple with his teeth in order to throw a light on his compass. Tom was a hoodlum, if that's what you mean, said Roy. He wasn't a sissy. You've got something to work with on a hoodlum. If Arabella wants to hit the great outdoors, as he calls it, let him join the campfire girls. Forget it, kid. It's all right to be friends with him, but for goodness sake, pike around and get somebody else to join your patrol. You'll never get Arabella. Take that from me. He just wouldn't fit in, and he wouldn't join anyway. It isn't so easy to get fellers, said Pee-wee, reminiscent of his dubious experience as a missionary. Who could I get? Tell me that. You're so smart. What's the matter with Toby Ralston? Connie queried. There you are, agreed Roy. And you'd get two scouts in one. You'd get Robin Hood, too. Oh, boy, some scout, said Connie. End of chapter 23. Recording by Valentina Vicelli.